You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 30. It's the big 3-0. Yay! Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thank you so much for making this podcast today a part of your day. Super excited for today, for this episode. And so welcome to the show. If it's your first time listening, thanks for coming over and checking the podcast out. And if you're coming back, thanks for coming on back. Hey, thank you so much to everybody who has left the reviews on iTunes. Uh, so encouraging. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and really helpful, especially the, it's been really encouraging, especially the last couple months. I've just been in an incredible season of busyness, um, good and productive busyness, but just a really busy season for me. And so just uh, trying to keep up with everything and stay at it has been a little bit of a struggle. And uh, man, those those reviews have been extremely encouraging and kind of help me uh, keep going here, even though we've not been super consistent in producing an episode every week, still going at it. So thank you so much for uh, heading over to iTunes and doing that um, for sure. Great episode today. I'm excited for it. And so uh, you're going to want to make sure if you haven't already to head over there and subscribe to the podcast so that you do get every episode as they come out. And of course, you can follow me over on the Twitter sphere at at Jody Livingston, that's J-O-D-Y, and of course over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall. All the links and resources that we will mention in this episode today, you can grab at the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 030, longerhall.com slash episode 030. Super excited about today's guest. Our guest today is Ben Trueblood, and he is in charge or oversees Student ministry stuff with LifeWay Christian Resources. Super smart guy, very, very wise when it comes to the area of student ministry in particular. Has a unique position in uh, in the sense that he really sees ministers too, talks to a lot of youth pastors all over the country, sees the curriculum side uh, as well as the ministry side there in his role uh, dealing with that in LifeWay. And so today we are going to talk about burnout. And, you know, I just told you I've been in a real busy season. So this interview for me was really well-timed in that. Um, But, you know, the issue of burnout is really, really important. And it's one that you will likely face at some point in ministry. And it's probably a reason a lot of folks step out. And so we're going to really dive in and talk about kind of what to look for in that, how to overcome some of these things, and really guard against it. And, and this holds true whether you are a volunteer, whether you are a uh, bivocational youth pastor or full-time, regardless of the size of your church, many of those things, just the pace of ministry and the pace of life that we seem to run as a culture leads, I think, to a, a greater tendency of burnout. So today's episode is really, really important um, for that. So you're going to want to make sure that you stick around for that, also at the end of the show, uh, will be some recommended resources for you. So stick around and grab those. And of course, all the links again you can find over on the show notes page. So make sure 
you check that out. Thank you so much again for making this episode today, this podcast today, kind of a part of your routine today. I hope you find it very helpful. And so with all that said, we'll jump in here to today's interview with Ben Trueblood. Well, hey guys, welcome uh, to the show again. I'm excited to have Ben Trueblood on today to talk a little bit about burnout um, in youth ministry. And, you know, if you've been in youth ministry for more than probably a day or two, you've felt this uh, coming at least certain times of the year, especially more than others. And so I'm excited to have you on, man, to talk about this youth ministry veteran from way back, kind of doing yeah. uh, overseeing student ministry stuff for Lifeway and uh, talk to a lot of youth pastors, no doubt, in that, kind of seeing things from a, a different perspective there. So I'm excited for you to come and share. Um, you know, take just a minute or two and share kind of your journey into youth ministry to this point. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to be uh, on your show. So I appreciate the invitation and and any opportunity to talk about student ministry is something that that I, I jump on. So it's uh, it's been what we've done um, both personally and as a family uh, for the last 16 years, um, been involved in student ministry in some way for the last three that has been through leading the team with Lifeway students uh, for the first 13 um, that was in the local church and served in uh, most recently a church called Liberty Baptist Church in Hampton, Virginia, amazing church out there. And uh, so that's kind of where it's been um, in the last 13 years. Um, and before that, you know, I, I felt called to ministry as as a senior in high school and um, just kind of interned at, at, at church at the church that I grew up in. And uh, man, quite honestly, had uh, a really bad um, internship experience. Uh, partly my fault, um, maybe mostly my fault, but uh, uh, left that experience and just saying, man, if this is what student ministry is going to be, then I don't want any part of it. I'll fulfill my calling as a volunteer youth worker and I'll just, you know, I'll be the best Sunday school teacher or life group leader or whatever, you know, whatever your church calls it. That's, I'll be the best one of those there is. Yeah. Uh, and so just kind of went on on that for journey for a couple years. And then God just, uh, through serving as a disciple now leader for a friend at a church in Texas, God just said, no, I've got, I've got more for you than being a volunteer leader. You are, you're to give, give your life to student ministry in service of me. And so that's, we launched in and, uh, and that's, that's been the journey and it has not been easy. Uh, but man, it, it really is one of those things, you know, guys ask me all the time. I'm sure you get the same kind of question, like, man, I, I'm feeling like I'm called to ministry, but not sure. And, you know, one of my responses is always, if you can be happy doing anything else, then you should do that. Yes. And so that's, <laughs> that has rung true for me. Uh, there's no way that I could be, that I could be happy doing anything else in student ministry. It's just, it's where God has us and, and we're. We're glad to be there as a family. And student ministry is something we've always done together, uh, my wife and I, my kids. And we just, it's healthy that way, believe in doing it that way. And, and so that's, that's just kind of where we've been. Yeah, that's so good, man. I remember, so I was similar to, to that. I was a senior in high school as well. And I didn't want to do student ministry. I, I just, I really, I grew up in East Tennessee. Um, and so really kind of your traditional church there in, in, uh, what you'd expect in East Tennessee. 
Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of a lot of orange. Yeah. A lot of orange and uh, the same message every week from different text kind of yeah. thing. And, but, <laughs> um, but a pastor who loved Jesus, loved the gospel, was passionate about seeing the lost come, come to Jesus. And, and I just remember um, going and talking to him about that. Like I, I didn't even know what a call to vocational ministry was, you know, I'd never heard of that. I just remember going sitting down with him saying, Hey, I want to, I want to do what you do. I want to be like you. I want to preach like you do. And his, his words were, you need to run from this. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world? I, I just told this guy I wanted to be just like him. And I thought that would be like this great honor. He's and he like, basically, no. yeah, he's like, you do not want to do this. Um, he, he basically said what you said, you know, he said, look, I want you to, to really seek the Lord on this and pray. And when you feel like you can do nothing else, be happy and fulfilled, then you come and we'll talk. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, I mean, we're talking about burnout today. But that one conversation in question has saved my ministry so many times over the last 16 years. I can't even tell you because, you know, I mean, once a week I quit and then I get up the next day and go into work. And I think everybody kind of feels that. But if you're not confident in that call out of the gate, yeah, you're never going to last. No, it's man, that calling, um, it really does serve as an anchor. Uh, there are a lot of times in student ministry, even, you know, one of the questions I think that rises out of this feeling of burnout is, is, man, why did I get into this in the first place? Like, why am I, why am I given all this time and this energy? And like, what am I doing in student ministry? Um, and that, man, that to me goes back to the root of calling. And if, if there's not that, that definite moment where you can say, man, God, uh, God kind of wrestled me to the mat on this issue of calling. Um, then, then that burnout is going to to bloom and turn into something that can be really dangerous, um, not only for ministry but for you personally and as a family and and all of those things. So it, man, to me, it really those two that issue of burnout and that issue of calling really go hand in hand together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I see a lot of youth pastors um, who had a great time in youth ministry, loved youth ministry. God really moved and did a lot in their life during those, particularly those high school years, ninth, 10th grade, and kind of come away from that and wanting to be a part of that. And and oftentimes just kind of that excitement and kind of zealousness for students and youth ministry kind of drives them that direction. And maybe they get in it and realize, you know, I just really enjoy this, but it's not necessarily like God's calling on my life. And that's tough. Yeah, that, that's tough. But, but uh, you know, I think you've got to know. You've got to know. And that that's not to say, though, and I think you'd agree with this, that just because you're certain of your calling doesn't mean you won't burn out. Absolutely true. Uh, I, you know, I think I think burnout is something um, I think it happens uh, most of the time. Um, because of something that, that, that we've allowed to happen or, uh, you know, something creeps into our own life personally or a conversation with a parent or a pastor or minister of education or whoever your supervisor is, you know, something happens and it just doesn't sit with us right and it doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, or just after, like you mentioned, after a long period of busy ministry, I mean, we're sitting here in October and everybody in youth ministry had a busy summer. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, 
but again, that's a that's a situational, circumstantial thing that I think then puts us in a situation where we may be more susceptible to burnout. Um, and and then, you know, I, I think I think part of the response to burnout is where that calling comes in and how we wrestle with it and deal with it and take the next step to move out of that burnout phase. But I do totally agree with you. Just because you're sure in your calling doesn't mean that you'll be safe from this burnout situation. Yeah. So let, let's talk about a couple things. Let's talk about kind of some causes that you see for burnout and then maybe some really practical steps to take. Yeah, for sure. Man, I, I think one of the things, and this is, uh, this has been true for my own life, um, both in that original, uh, experience I mentioned as an intern where I walked away and said, man, I, I do not want ministry. Like, I don't want to be a part of it. It's, if it's like this, uh, and, and you know, that burnout, it doesn't have to come because you're tired though. Sometimes it does. And that, t- that specific situation of, of burnout came from, uh, maybe some bitterness that had built up in my own life about, uh, you know, how I thought I was being treated, um, in that situation as an intern. And, um, and, and just where I thought ministry was headed and kind of having my own thought about how student ministry should be. And again, I, I'll be f- <laughs> very upfront. I didn't respond well uh, in a lot of those conversations and situations. But man, uh, I think that when bitterness takes root in our lives, um, it can lead us to that burnout phase um, pretty quickly. Uh, and I know that you know, from talking to a lot of student pastors in, across the country, um, typically I see this starting when a relationship with a senior pastor or relationships with parents of students in the ministry begin to go south a little bit. Those two relationships are seem to be, in my conversations with people, primary when bitterness begins to lead to burnout. What do you what do you think causes? I mean, I so I've written on the blog before, uh, I, you know, I post five reasons you don't get along with your pastor or you struggle to get along with your pastor. Yeah. And there's no doubt there are some difficult pastors to work with. I'm not going to be so naive to think that. But I think a lot of times we don't do ourselves in youth ministry many favors in that. And I think... Every youth pastor is going to struggle and at some point say, well, if I was pastor, right? And I always just encourage you, you're not. So don't, don't even, <laughs> For sure. don't go there because yeah. you don't, you don't just like the people that you are criticizing you, that you resent, they don't know what it's like to be a youth pastor. You don't know what it's like to be a senior pastor. So let's 100%. not, let's yeah. not pretend. But are there, are there certain things that you think that you see kind of increase that tension or that bitterness? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, a couple things in regards to that. One, I think that youth pastors, uh, I'm going to make a very generalistic statement here. So I know they're probably going to be a listener that goes, Hey, I don't do that. But, <laughs> uh, generally, I don't think student pastors pursue a meaningful relationship with their senior pastors outside of the church walls. Um, I don't think that that we put a lot of effort into scheduling an ongoing lunch appointment, like once a month with, uh, with a senior pastor, just so you can be relationally in front of, in front of him, find out his interests, talk to him about, uh, things that he's interested, you know, just the way that you would build a relationship with anybody else. I I feel like there's almost this standoffishness, 
um, whether it occurs between that occurs between a pastor and a student pastor, whether it's caused by everybody's just busy and so nobody takes the time to do that, or there's almost like this separation of position that keeps a student pastor from engaging and uh, you know a lot of leadership and organizational books would would call it leading up. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't engage in that. So I would just say, man, we don't, we don't take the step. Uh, I think the view from a lot of people is, man, he's my boss. He's my pastor. He should take the step forward towards me. Yep. Well, if we wait for that, man, it may never come. And, and if, if you take the step forward to him, um, it could end up being a relationship that, that you have for the rest of your life. I mean, that, that, my pastor from uh, Virginia, his name is Grant Etheridge, uh, and he he is an incredible pastor. And he and I have a solid relationship, and we talk still um, at least monthly. And and just um, whether it's a text back and forth briefly or a phone conversation, we stay in touch with each other. And that is a relationship um, that I'll treasure and have for the rest of my life. Uh, but it's because of intentionality. Yeah. And so I think that's that's one point I would make. Um, another one that your senior pastor, youth pastors, your senior pastor needs you to be his biggest cheerleader. Yes. Um, your vision and mission for student ministry should not be different from that of the church. And so, like whatever cute little tagline you have on your ministry, like it should <laughs> it should match the cute tagline that they ha- that is there for the church. Yeah, but my t shirt's better. That probably so, (laughs) but you know, it should, mission and vision should not be separate from, from ministry area to ministry area. And when you know, and can articulate the mission and vision of the pastor and you do that to your students, man, it does a lot for relationship building and not just relationship building, but trust and loyalty building. Um, When your pastor knows that you're going to bat for him, when that parent sits down in his office and begins to uh, to talk about you, he's going to go to bat for you because there's loyalty and there's trust that's already that's already built up. And, and he knows I mean, just, you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, just think about for a second. As the student pastor, you have the most con- the, the the largest connection to to people aside from the pastor in your church. Why? Yeah. Because you have students and you have their parents. Yeah. So you you have a lot of influential power in a church, and your role is to use it in support of the authority and direction of the pastor. The last thing I would mention there, and then we could, you know we keep rolling. Uh, I'm super passionate about this area of ministry, if you can't tell. But the last <laughs> the last thing I would mention is that uh, our response to authority reveals more about our personal relationship with the Lord than it does about that person who's in authority. Yeah. Uh, it just, man, God, if you believe God called you to that church, then you have to believe that God called you to serve under the authority and direction of that pastor. And so if that's something you're unwilling to do, then then you need to either pray that God would fix that in your heart or you need to leave because you're not being helpful to the God, person that God put in charge. Yeah, and it just comes right back to that calling again. You know, not yeah. even just to calling to the area of ministry, but calling to the location and the place of ministry. Man, I think that's so good. That is so good. And that is, I know um, for a lot of youth pastors, that is a struggle. And and I hear this. I'm sure you do. 
there is kind of an expectation from a lot of youth pastors that they would be mentored by their pastor. Yeah. And I think in a in a perfect world that sounds awesome. But in reality, they they don't you don't have time to mentor people that that expect you to mentor them most likely, and your pastor probably doesn't either. I think you need a mentor. I just think it, your pastor's probably not going to be that person in your life. I don't think it's always feasible. In some cases it will be, but that takes a special kind of person who's kind of geared that way. And that will largely depend on the size of your ministry and the structure of your staff as well. But yeah, yeah, man, communicate up. And it can be simple, simple things like just a text message. I'm praying for you today. Hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Or how can I pray for you? Or, you know, I I just think that's so, so important. I have a great relationship with my pastor. Um, I actually have a great relationship with every pastor I've ever served with. And you are absolutely right. I think one of the keys, not only to avoiding just burnout, which I guess is kind of the other side of this, but just a longevity in a place of ministry is a great relationship with your supervising pastor. And you, For sure. You've got to seek that out. You have to seek that out. Yeah. And, and I, I would say the same thing. You know, that the one pastor I mentioned rises above the others um, because I would consider him a mentor. And it was it was a very, like you said, it, it I mean, it happened to me in one out of three that yeah. I would consider them a personal mentor. But did that, let me ask, did that happen... Do you think that mentoring happened as a result of your pursuit of that friendship? Or did he pursue you in the sense of like, I want to mentor you, let's be friends? No, I think it was the result um, of the pursuit of a relationship. Uh, and, it, and it was, um, I was very intentional. Uh, and I, you know, I, he, in the interview process, I made it clear that, hey, this, I respect you, your ministry if I come here, here's an expectation that I have. And, and I laid it out. Like I'm looking for my, the next pastor that I serve with to develop me as a leader and as a pastor. And I, I, so that was something that I was specifically looking for going into that situation. And I made it clear in the interview process, um, to do that. And then once hired, followed up with that, uh, and made sure that, that, that I was, like I said, his biggest cheerleader and that every opportunity I had to be around him or travel with him or do something, I said yes yeah, without even hesitating. And I think some of the greatest moments of that kind of mentoring and learning, it's it comes informally in the sense of, hey, you're going to the hospital to make visits. I want to come with you because I want to ride in the car with you and talk yeah. life yep. and, and ministry. I, it's not really about what happens at the hospital. Um Although that that certainly can be an area where you learn and grow as well, but just kind of that doing life together. I love that. That's so good. So if somebody's listening and they are in a situation where they do not have a good relationship with their pastor, there's kind of bitterness there already, what kind of steps would you give them to take? It's a great question. And I would start with, um, this is going to sound like a complete cop-out answer, but I promise (laughs) it's not. not. I'm not giving you a Jesus juke right now. But I, man, stay close to Jesus. Um, because if they're like, if it's, if the mentoring relationship is something that you're expecting and you're not getting it, or if you're not expecting it, but you feel like your pastor is, is not supporting you the way that you imagined, whatever's happening to feel like that relationship is, is not going the right direction. 
Um, if, if we are not walking with Jesus personally through that time, then that frustration is really going to hit boiling point quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it's the only thing that's going to ground us in the midst of that frustration or disappointment, maybe a little of both, um, is, is having that identity. You know, it's what we tell students all the time, Len. like live knowing that your identity is founded in Jesus. Well, there are so many things that we walk through as a student pastor where we need to point that message directly at ourselves and our own hearts and say, you know what, I, I don't feel right now like this is going the way I want to, but my life isn't lived on a feeling. It's lived on my identity in Jesus. So I'm going to do what I'm called to do. I'm going to pursue what I'm called to pursue in Christ. And then he's going to take care of the other things. Yeah. The, the other thing that I would mention with that is um, I, I, my personality leads me towards clear and open conversations. Uh, I don't like to sit on an issue um, with my staff here that I lead now and, and volunteers and staffs that I've led in the past, if something is wrong, you will know Yeah, uh, because I, I don't like to sit on it. And I want my team members and people that I work with to do the same for me. If they don't feel supported, if they don't feel like everything's right, then they have the openness to say, man, I, help me interpret this. And so I think there is a moment where openness with your pastor is, is needed and just say, but I wouldn't be accusatory. Right. Say, Hey pastor, I, I want to do a great job of supporting you and your vision for this church. Help me. How can I do that? How can I be your biggest supporter? How can I be your biggest cheerleader? Um, and you'll like, if things begin rolling off of his tongue immediately, then you'll know that those are probably some areas where he's not feeling that you're fulfilling that. Right. Uh, if, you know, if he says general, well, you know, you can just be praying for me. And then that, then that probably tells you that, that he, one, either doesn't like conflict or two, <laughs> that he, that what you're perceiving isn't reality. So. Yeah, that's good. I think it's really important. I think that's such a good, I mean, encouragement to pursue that relationship, that friendship. Uh, I mean, if for no other reason, just for a very unspiritual, you know, kind of pragmatic thing, like they, most churches will not fire a pastor. Uh, I mean, a pastor can fall morally. They can do a whole lot of crazy stuff. And churches tend to not want to fire a pastor, senior pastor, because of the headache and the heartache and the damage they feel like comes from having to find a new pastor. But they will fire a youth pastor. Um, in about two seconds, if they think you're not doing it and your pastor can be a, a big proponent of that or not. And so to have, just to have that relationship and, and really, I mean, gosh, just to have somebody that you can go to that you trust, which is nice. I mean, the, the, most of the conversations that I have had with pastors that I've served under have been, you know, it, it doesn't happen right away. Right. But over kind of the course of, a couple of years that friendship grows, it everything else just gets easier. It does. Know? And it, and it takes years and that's, yeah. you know, that's to, uh, the reason why, um, you know, you're, you do do the podcast and you do your blog is to get the awareness and help people stay longer because the specific issue that we're talking about right now, man, you'll never experience that if you're two and done. Yeah. I mean, it's just not possible. The The loyalty and trust takes longer than that to build up. 
And I think you have to work at that really hard from the outset. Yeah. As far as that relationship. And I, I think it's easier to do it that way too, because when you first go on staff, there is a desire of your pastor even to want to know you better in those early, you know, kind of months where after you've been there a while, you just kind of both settle into your kind of ministry role and rhythm. And maybe yeah. that intentionality is not there. So that's yep. that's really good. Okay, so bitterness. We've made it through one. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, else would you so add to I, that? I would say bitterness. Um, I think I think the relationships with the pastor um, could be number two in that. Yeah. You know, like it, it's definitely another cause of burnout. If if you're not, you know, if that relationship's damaged, you're not feeling it's going the way uh, that you want to do. Another one, um, and I when I talk about this. I hesitate to say it because I feel like sometimes people use it as an excuse. Um, but one of the causes of burnout, I would say, is uh, working too much or not spending time enough time with your family uh, can cause burnout. And while on one hand, I completely believe that that is a cause of burnout, on the other hand, I see far too many uh, situations where I think people are using that as a crutch to get out of work. Yeah. Uh, and man, I, the lazy student pastor issue just drives me insane. Uh, and it, and it earns student pastors because I really do believe that that is the minority of student pastors. Yeah, I do too. The, the problem is, is that that's the reputation that has been tagged onto so many youth pastors like that. That's the perception. Uh, and I hate it. I think it's wrong. I think it's a wrong perception, but you know, sometimes perception, you, yeah. you get you. <laughs> that's yeah. what people think. So, yeah. um, but working too much and, and not spending time with your family, I think can lead, can lead to burnout. Um, you know, don't use it as an excuse for laziness. Don't use it as an excuse to get out of work. Uh, student ministry is a very demanding job. I mean, I, I believe that next to the pastor, it's the most demanding uh, position in the church. In fact, the position of a youth pastor is more like the position of pastor than any other position in the church, I believe. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. Yeah. My, uh, my boss, um, Eric Geiger, who's the author of Simple Church, and some of your listeners may be familiar with, with that book and with him, um, he wrote a blog recently about why student pastors make the best senior pastors. Hmm. Uh, and it's, he makes some of those points in that, in that blog article, uh, because it's so similar. It, you're in a preaching rhythm every single week. You're yeah. in charge of a small group ministry and discipling students every single week. You recruit volunteers every single, you know, I mean, there, there are so many similarities. Uh, so yeah, I would, man, working too much can be easy for a youth pastor to do because it's, you know, you've got swim meets and volleyball matches and football games and yeah. plays and musicals and oh, middle school band concerts. Yeah, you uh, got, <laughs> but you got to go to it. Like, yeah, you, you can't, uh, you've, you've got to be involved in not, not just football, but other activities too. And so, um, it's super important. And like my wife and I, um, as a result of conversations and just saying, man, we're doing too much there. We're not like, we're losing, we're losing connection with each other because we're connecting with so many other people. Uh, and that can happen easily. And yeah. so we made a rule that we would, uh, aside from like Wednesday night and 
you know, we had a home group in our and that met in our house for for discipling students on Monday nights, and uh, we had church on Sunday night, and so it was you know that's Sunday, Monday, Wednesday night already. We just made a commitment and said we're going to give one other night a week to student ministry. Yeah, and the other nights a week we're we're going to hold to ourselves. And man, some people might be listening and be like, well, how in the world did you do student ministry only being at one activity a week? Uh, well, we, we were wise and it wasn't football every single week. Yeah. And, you know, we, we spread ourselves around and tried, tried to get to it. Um, and it worked, it, it worked. We, no, we yeah, lasted yeah. a long time and parents and students appreciate that. I remember, uh, I think it was Doug Fields who I was at a conference once and he was talking about the issue of like ball games and concerts and whatever and he said you know don't don't stress out over being there for the whole thing like right go early to one and see the student hey have a great game go late to the other hey great game <laughs> you know uh, yeah. because they don't care that you watch the whole game they just care that you show up yeah and the same thing with parents and man that was so freeing that was so freeing. I think the other side of this, man, I oh, we could talk about lazy youth pastors for sure. Um, but I think the other side of this is uh, two things. One is I think we talk so much about balance now, which I think is totally ridiculous. There's no way you can be balanced, live balanced in ministry. Man, uh, I'm so glad you said that. Gosh, because just be healthy, right? I, yes, I hear it all the time. People talk about balancing family and ministry. And there is no balance. It's it's a myth. It, yeah. It's not going to happen. There you will lose seasons. one or the other if you're striving for balance. So, and my <laughs> wife's been on the podcast, and so we talked about this specifically that you know strive for health. That there are seasons where your ministry is going to need more attention and effort than others, and there are seasons where your family needs more attention than others. And yeah. knowing when those come, and there's a rhythm to student ministry. You know when that's coming most of the time. I mean, you can see that coming. And recognizing those times and being able to, okay, when you come out of a crazy summer, you've got to know that you've got to take a break. Like, even if it's just one day, you've got to kind of go somewhere, not, you know, if you're, if you're a bivocational youth pastor, that's, that's difficult. I recognize that, man. I lived that, but you've got to find time to break away. And you may not, I, I would think too, like for the bivocational guy, your evenings are probably when you're doing the majority of your ministry. Yeah. So you may not be afforded the luxury of of saying, we're not doing any student ministry. You know, we're only doing this night, this night, because I'm doing the thing. But I think you still have to be wise in what you're doing in the sense that whatever you're doing is life, invite them to be a part of that rather than creating another thing that's pulling yeah. you away. So maybe you're inviting students for dinner, inviting them to help you with yard work, inviting them to go run to Home Depot with you, put up trim, rake the yard. You know, I I don't know what that looks like, but... Those are all great, great invitations. Yeah. uh, Because then, like, you get your stuff, a mission project at your house. Yeah. It's so mentoring is taking place, (laughs) discipleship is taking place, you're getting an extra set of hands that you're not having to pay for, and you're doing ministry. And, you know, I, I just think, be wise with your time. Uh, and work hard, you know, work hard. I think part of the reason, and I'm mindful of this in my own ministry, that there is a perception of laziness. And so uh, I really go out of my way to be above reproach in in almost everything. And 
part of that, I think, comes because nobody knows what the youth pastor does. Yeah. And, it, and that kind of goes back to communicating up again. Um, they don't see you, the church as a whole doesn't see you at the ball games. They don't see the students at your house. They don't understand the mass amount of text messages that you're getting and dealing with or the phone calls you're fielding, you know, in the middle of the night or, you know, the, the, the crisis that's always happening, right? There's always a crisis. Um, they don't see that. So they just think, oh, well, you just do Sunday morning and then you play with the students, play games with students. And a yeah. lot of what they hear and see that's being communicated through the church bulletin or from the pulpit or from wherever is the fun stuff, the events, the activities. They're not privy to the ministry side that you're doing. So I think you've got to really work to overcome that. Yeah, that's true. That's so good. Cool. So how, what are some things then that we can do? Is there anything else that you want to mention? towards a cause to bitterness before we move to like some steps to take, I mean, a cause for burnout before we move steps to take to kind of come out of it or avoid yeah, it. The, yeah. The last one um, that I, that I would just mention quickly is uh, burnout can come from having unrealistic expectations on yourself. Yeah. Um, and that just goes back to like, man, I think student ministries, student pastors want to grow. They want to grow students in their relationships with the Lord and they want to grow by seeing students come to know Christ and they want to they want to have more students coming to their ministry but when we begin to define our uh, success in ministry or define fulfilling our calling by just a spreadsheet um, I, th- I think we really it can really lead, lead to bitterness um, and, and can lead to burnout because we're we're expecting from ourselves and leading that ministry in our own strength and saying we can we can really easily turn to, man, what am I doing wrong that's not happening, that's not causing X to happen? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, that goes back to the work hard. Like, you can't use this as an excuse to be lazy. But at the same time, man, student pastors need to realize that God is in charge of the re- results. Like, be strategic, plan, be organized, work hard, be faithful to the gospel. But God's the one that's going to grow this thing, not yeah. not you. And when we start think, thinking that it's that it's us that's going to grow it, and it doesn't happen, man, burnout's right around the corner. Yeah, and I think oftentimes with that we spread ourselves too thin. I just had this conversation with a youth pastor uh, last week. You know, especially if you're at a if you're at a church and you've got about fifteen kids, twenty kids, you have a great opportunity to really pour in and invest in a much more focused manner than a ministry that has several hundred because maybe most of your kids go to the same schools. Yeah. Um, but even in a in a ministry with several hundred, I, I would just encourage, you know, youth pastors, don't feel like you have to be everywhere. Find the the open door, if you will, whatever wherever that's gonna be. So if it's if we're talking schools, for example, campus ministries, maybe one campus is easier and there's a little more of an open door there. Don't feel bad about investing your effort there. Um, and 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 be like stressing out because you're not really doing the same amount of ministry on other campuses. You just may not be able to do that, and that's okay. That is okay. And man, bigger. Everybody wants a bigger ministry, but I'm telling you, the all everything scales. So all the problems you have, all the all those <laughs> things, the people, the drama, the ministry, all that scales up. And so you know, bigger is great, but it's not everything you think it would be um, in, in that. And so I think having those realistic expectations is, is really important. And it's really hard. 
That's really yeah. hard. It is. And this, it's an issue that I, uh, that I really struggled with early on in ministry. And it's something that I, you know, I would, I would walk off the stage on a Wednesday night and, uh, you know, we'd finish up what we were doing, clean up or whatever. And I'd get in the car to drive home and I would be grading myself on that Wednesday night based on, you know, response of students and how many students came to know Christ, if any that did that Wednesday night and, and those kinds of things like, and man, uh, it took somebody, a, a mentor of mine um, at one of the first churches I served at, just really getting in my face and then the Lord kind of saying, man, how how prideful are you to think that that this all comes from you? Uh, and that was hard. It was a hard thing to walk through. And it was a hard thing to to hear from from the Lord and hear from this this guy. But Man, it totally changed my outlook on ministry over the next over the next year, and I'm thankful that that happened early on. And so I approached ministry in a different way uh, in the local church for the for the rest of my time there. Um, but it doesn't, you know that that temptation comes up frequently. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 never goes away fully. You know, it's like it's like the old self that constantly tries to, to jump back on our back and, and, and bring us back down is, is that's how often that state, that thought and temptation stays there. But man, just being free to be faithful to the gospel and to the Lord and, and allowing him truly to take care of what he's going to take care of is, is an amazing place to live. It's not easy, but it's an amazing place to live. Yeah. It's that tension of setting goals for your ministry and for yourself but then being okay with investing where you are, right? Yeah. Not, like not being so caught up in what your goals are to achieve that you you don't really faithfully invest in the now. Yep. And, and, I, and so I'm glad you said that. I am a huge fan of goal setting um, and, uh, and clear goals, goals that you can measure, you know, not just, man, I want to disciple more students this year right. or I want to see more students come to Christ, but like I want to see X amount of students come to Christ and baptized in my church this year. And I yeah. want my uh, small groups to grow by X, you know, like clear, measurable goals. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but at the same time, you know, those are those goals don't define you, uh, but they help you evaluate your processes, your plan, your strategy. Um, and all those things are are keys to to having longevity in ministry, I believe. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So then let's move to some steps to take if you feel like you're drifting into burnout or maybe you're not there yet, but you will be. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned uh, we mentioned staying close to Jesus in regards to the uh, pastor relationship part. And um, so I won't I won't revisit that other than just to say number one has to be your own personal relationship with Jesus. So easy to prepare a message every week and think you're in the word, but that's not reality. The next one um, that I would say is uh, to make a personal development plan. Um, At the beginning of each year, set out goals, um, not related to your ministry, set out goals for you. Um, think about, man, what are the things I want to see happen in my own life this year? Like I want to take my wife on a date. If you're married, take my wife on a date 12 times a year, or maybe you're a a lady out there that's doing student ministry. Take, you know, go on a date with your husband 12 times a year, once a month, or 
I want to do a family activity. Uh, one, you know, one weekend a quarter, we're going to, we're going to go overnight or we're going to go camping on a Friday night and Saturday, or we're going to, you know, whatever that looks like for you, set goals. Um, set a goal for how many books you want to read. Uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that one. Yeah, Brent Crow is the vice president of Student Leadership University, um, and they they have a great program for developing student leaders. Um, and one of the things that they always talk about is, uh, and I think Truman was the original person who said this, but uh, leaders are readers. Yeah. Um, and man, th- there's no shortcut to learning in that. If if you're going to grow in your leadership this year. Then, then you have to read. You have to find books, and don't just read more, um, more ministry books. Uh, go outside of of those parameters. Read some business books. Read some organizational books. Read some. Read a wide variety of things, um, so that you're constantly expanding your expanding your mind. Read on theology. Read on. Uh, you may, as a student pastor right now, you may not be a parent, but grab some parenting books and and brush up on what parents in your student ministry are dealing with, because they're dealing with the students in a completely different way than you are as the student pastor. And knowing a little bit about parenting and what books are saying can be a huge help for you. Uh, uh, and I would even, you know, say set goals for stuff that you enjoy doing away from work. Um, like my one of my goals this year is to kill a turkey. Uh, you know, so uh, hey, man, I, Thanksgiving I is coming. You're run, is. you're running out of time. <laughs> I enjoy hunting, and so uh, you know, I'll set a couple goals with that. I had another goal this year um, to start learning how to play the piano, and so uh, just. I set goals for everything, uh, but it's because I want to have a plan for the next year. I want to, I want to grow in a lot of areas that I've never grown in before. Um, and family definitely needs to be a part of that uh, because another super practical way to get out or avoid burnout, um, is to invest in your family. Um, take time to do that. Uh, I think as I'll speak for the men in this, um, because I, I am one, I, I, can speak more, <laughs> more yeah. with more clarity on that. I would think, uh, but sometimes, like we in our off time, we get zoned in on a hobby uh, because we want to relax and we want to check out and we want to have some downtime. Um, but man, maybe more, maybe more of our hobby needs to be hanging out with the family. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's really good. I think uh, it's so easy. I, I would be a It'd be a scary number if you could get youth pastors to be honest. Um, and I'm sure somewhere there's some some data on this. Like how many youth pastors who are, you know, teaching every week really spend time personally in the word and in, in, in their walk? Like yeah. I, I think it would be I don't I don't honestly I don't even want to know the answer. I'm with you. Uh, uh, which yeah. is so scary. Yeah. And I would um I would say probably pastors in that same breath. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just easy, man. You're in the Word all the time, you know? I, there was a period where uh, I I kind of nerd out a little on study and prep, I, you know, which is just kind of, I just enjoy that. And there was a period of probably about a year or two where I couldn't read from like a New American Standard or, you know, in ESV because I'd start outlining that during my quiet time. <laughs> and so I had to go and get like 
the message remix. I couldn't even do the message. It had to be like the wow. remix, you know? Just something that was totally, you know, paraphrase that I would probably <laughs> not use for study typically, uh, just to be able to stay and be able to really focus on my relationship with the Lord and kind of wean myself out of that, like, teaching mode, you know, like always having to be kind of in that, in that mode. And I think that's really, really hard. And I, I love setting the plans and the reading goals. And here's the thing too with that, because I hear a lot of excuses around that, like, well, I'm just not a reader, you know, but look, to, man, with today, I get up an audible.com account and listen to books. Um, yeah. You know, th- there, there, there are plenty of ways to do that that you don't have to sit and read or I, you know, I don't have time to read. Well, you're probably in your car a lot. You know, I don't know. There's just, yeah, there's, there's ways sure. around that, you know? And so certainly investing of, in your family. Yeah. So because of technology, like the Truman quote I mentioned a minute ago is, uh, is not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Yeah. And I hear the same thing that, that you just said about guys that'll say, man, I'm just not a reader. And, and I think, I mean, I think that's just the biggest cop out of all time. Yeah. Uh, like it goes you, back to that laziness. No, it does. It's just and a discipline that you develop. It is. It is for sure a discipline. And, you know, some people read at different speed than others. Um, and some people retain a lot more. Like I, I wish that I retained more from my reading than I do. I have to be really careful to write and make notes in the books that I read in or I, or I, It'll just go in one ear and out the other. Um, but it's, man, if you really, if you care about what you do and you want to be better at it, you have to read or listen, like you mentioned, on yeah. the way to work or while you run or exercise or whatever. You, you will make time for this to develop yourself if you really care about what you do. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Man, those are great. That's awesome for sure. Really helpful. And I think, I think, I mean, the truth is if you're listening and you're not in a season where you're feeling burned out, you will at some point. And, and so to know how to recognize those things and what can cause those things and then how to kind of curb and prevent that. So, so important. So, so important. Well, cool. Any last thoughts on any of that? No, the last thing I, I, I would mention one more practical thing. This okay. is going to be like a super long podcast. I apologize. No, for you're that, good. But no, the uh, the last thing I would mention on just practical how to avoid burnout is to avoid what I call template student ministry. Yep, uh, and Absolutely. that just means, man, it worked for this guy, so I'm going to take his three principles or his four words, and I'm going to plug it into my ministry, and I'm going to do it exactly like they do it and it's going to work exactly the same. And that's just not, that's, that's not true. Um, and so I think when student ministries do that, um, they can tire over that model because number one, they may not be passionate about it because they just read it or heard somebody talk about it and they threw it in there. Um, you're really only going to be fulfilled when you're doing ministry the way God has called you to do ministry in the context that works in your local church. Yeah, that's And so your good. people are different than the people down, even down the street. And so do ministry the way God's called you to do it. Uh, when we get into this template form, um, it just doesn't work. Now, having said that, I do believe there are some principles that 
are not specific to context. They rise above that. Healthy student ministries, I think, all share some similar things. Um, one of those being they see students come to know Jesus. You know, they, they, if you're in a healthy student ministry, there are going to be moments where you see students come to know him. You're going to expand God's kingdom. Um, and we have, you know, we could spend another 45 minutes talking about what those transferable principles are, because sure. I think there are transferable principles. But to take a model and plug it in and just hope it works, um, that's not... Man, God has called you, student pastor, to do ministry a certain way. He's gifted you to do it, and he's put you in a church that's specific to you. Uh, God's put you as a shepherd over those people. And so, man, do it the way he's called you to do it instead of the way he's called someone else to do it. Yeah, and it and it will most likely, if you're serving, let's say you're at your like a, a second church or a third church, it will probably and should look different than it even did at your previous church. Yeah. Be- because the context is different. Yep, totally agree. And so, but you, but at the same time, it will almost always take on your personality if, yes. you, if you stay long enough. So there'll be it some, will. some commonalities there, but yeah, in the context of your church, your vision, your, the mission of your church and your community, man, absolutely. I think we set ourselves up for failure when we try to template like, you know, copycat. Yeah, and I agree. You just, it's, uh, that's unrealistic expectations. You know, well, this yeah. church did this and they're reaching, you know, 20 kids. They're baptizing 500 kids. And well, if you're, you know, your church is 500, you're not going to baptize 500 students. And if you did, you wouldn't, that you, you couldn't manage that. Like that's not even a manageable ministry. If all of a sudden that begins to happen, you've got to, there's no sustainability to that. So yeah, ministering and fa- just that faithful day to day, be who you are, where God has called you to be, effectively reaching those who God has placed you around. That's really, really good, man. Yeah, so that's cool. Any resource you want to throw out? Yeah, something that we're uh, that our Lifeway student team that I personally am super excited about it is the new Gospel Project Chronological. So uh, it released this fall. Started um, just a, you can still get in and, and start right at the very beginning, um, but it's a Christ-centered chronological study. Uh, that takes students on a journey through the storyline of Scripture. So helps them understand that the Bible like isn't just a collection of stories, but it really is just one story of the big picture of what what God has planned for the redemption of people. And so uh, it's a super, super cool study. It's a great way to, uh, to walk through the Bible. Again, Genesis to Revelation uh, chronologically, while all the time pointing students to Jesus in all of Scripture. So they're going to be in the Old Testament, and they're going to see uh, how things point to Christ, um, as well as obviously in the New Testament. And so um, I am thrilled to death about the Gospel Project um, as a resource for students. Um, and we had we had a lot of student pastors. Something we do, people, a lot of people don't know this about uh, what we do with Lifeway when we uh, put together curriculum, but Every time we do a study like the Gospel Project, we have advisory teams of student pastors that uh, come to Nashville and we put it in front of them and say, hey, would you use this? Why or why not? Help this get better. So all the curriculum that we put out um, now, it really is, has been shaped and formed by student pastors in the local church. So that's something I uh, am really proud of as a guy who loves the local church. And man, my role now is to serve student pastors. And so uh, that's something we're really proud of. And we're really proud of 
the gospel project as it has gone through that process. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I recommend for parents a lot, especially who have younger children, parents of your, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah, uh, and fantastic. Used, oh man, we've used that with our kids forever. It's the only book, like even right now, like my oldest is 12 and my youngest is six. And I can sit down and open up the Jesus Storybook Bible and everybody's just, man, right there. But I love that, that kind of everything pointing to Jesus kind of as you walk through that, that meta narrative of the gospel and of the scripture. So yeah. man, great study. Definitely. If you're listening, go check that out for sure. And then if folks want to connect with you outside of this online somewhere, where's the best place? Yeah, a couple places. So Twitter would be one. Um, and I am at Ben Trueblood. And then also, uh, I blog and have guest people come in and those kinds of things at lifeway.com slash student ministry. So those are probably the two best places to connect with me online and uh, would love to get together and talk student ministry and shoot back and forth on tweets about student ministry and however I can serve you guys as student pastors. Yeah, that's awesome. And for sure, if you're listening, you can head over to the show notes and leave a comment there as well. Kind of what are your thoughts or where you're at? What's your struggle uh, with burnout in particular? And uh, man, that We'd love to, to hear from you on that. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on, man, for giving the time. Lots of good stuff in here, and I know man, it's helpful. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a joy to be, uh, to be on here with you. Cool, man. We'll catch you later. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview there with Ben Trueblood. Such an important topic for us as ministers and those who minister to students is just to be able to last. You know, one of the 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 big proponent and theme here that we are – uh, trying to encourage, I say we, me, and and the rest of you who are part of this longer haul community, is just longevity and staying put, and staying uh, faithful, and continuing to be able to minister and last, survive, and thrive in this thing. And so, being able to recognize burnout, avoid that, really, really important. And Ben gives such great practical advice in that. I hope you'll go back and listen to this again if you're in the car or someplace, and really take notes of some of these things because I think they are so, so important and so, so helpful in that. So uh, thanks for listening to that. Again, the, the links there that he mentioned for the Gospel Project uh, will be on the show notes page. You can go check that out. And also, I wanted to let you know, if you've not listened to Episode 7 with Steve Parr, I want to really encourage you to go back and do that. Steve Parr is here in the state of Georgia with me with the Georgia Baptist Convention and has written a book, on some done some research called Why They Stay, and they've gone back and looked at so much, well, so much has been done of, of students leaving, graduating under ministries, and walking away from the faith, um, and Steve went back, and he has gone back and done the research on the opposite end, and found students who stayed, and decided to figure out what it was that was kind of allow, causing them to stay. What is it? What are the common themes and characteristics there? He shared a lot of that in that podcast interview, but the book has just released. I have read it. It's phenomenal and extremely encouraging for both pastors, youth pastors, parents. Um, and so why they stay really, really, really good. It was every bit as good as I hoped it would be and thought it would be. And like I said, just really practical, and really encouraging. So go back and check out that podcast episode. You can also head over to whythestay.com, I believe, and check out the website there. Grab a copy of that book. Um, it's really, really good. Easy read. And just very, very, very practical in that sense. So make sure you check that out as well as head over to today's show notes page 
at thelongerhaul.com slash episode 030. Check out the notes from today's episode as well. And that'll do it for today. Thanks again for tuning in and making this episode today a part of your day. And so until next time, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.